helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. The American people sat by in the 1960s when political correctness started to take hold in our universities. We watched comedians and laughed as they made jokes about it in the 1980s. And we did nothing as it took hold in American society in the 2000s. Few seem to realize that what was called political correctness was actually cultural Marxism. That the totalitarian idea that I have the right to not be offended went from the butt of jokes to general acceptance. We sent billions of dollars to colleges and universities to brainwash our children into this narcissistic poison to liberty. Today, we are living with the consequences of our lack of vision. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I'm so glad you joined me today. You know, everyone I'm assuming is getting ready for the holiday season. And the fact that you'll take some time and listen to me uh, really does mean something to me. And and I'm glad that you value your time here well, as much as I value bringing this to you. Now, political correctness is one of those terms that in many ways, it's fallen into myth and legend. Merriam-Webster defines it as conforming to a belief that language and practices which could offend political sensibilities, as in the matters of sex or race, should be eliminated. And it was that political sensibilities that really got my attention, because I'm like, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's this idea that there are political ideas well, that we shouldn't talk about. That shouldn't be allowed to be expressed. But of course, who defines the political ideas? That's always the question. I did a little bit of research and um, I, I found a couple of interesting things. See, I always thought political correctness mostly came out of the 60s and 70s. Granted, I started seeing the term used in the 80s, but the idea um, I always thought came from the 60s and 70s. But I found out, uh, well, appears that that isn't exactly true. You see, it actually appears to go all the way back to World War I and the uh, empowerment of Marxism. Now, consider this. Uh, just, just hang with me a minute, because if you think about it, well, both of them are totalitarian ideologies. The, the political correctness believes that um, a small group of people have the authority to tell others what is and is not allowed to be spoken Allowed. What's not? What is it? What you can and cannot say in public. And while few people did point out, hey, this is a violation of the very concept of freedom of speech, we went along with it. We self-censored. We decided that you know what, um, I don't want to offend somebody, so I will curb my speech, train my speech into what somebody else thinks I should say. Well, in order to not hurt their feelings. The problem is, it wasn't so much about hurting people's feelings, about offending people, as in controlling people. See, we first saw this when um, we saw the push to say to stop referring to people as blacks, but as African Americans, forgetting that a not insignificant percentage of the black population in this country isn't from Africa, 
never was from Africa. Think about it. How many Caribbean nations have a black population that live here in the United States? Are they suddenly African because of the color of their skin? Oh, no, you can't say that because that's not politically correct to do that anymore. And then we sat by was well, you've got if you've got um, African-Americans, you have to have Hispanic Americans and or Latin Americans or uh, Asian Americans. We started dividing ourselves up because we wanted to come up with new terms to refer to people. So they were politically correct. And, and, and I, I laughed as we as, as comedians made jokes about, uh, well, that person's no longer a janitor. They are a scient they're, they're a sanitation engineer. Uh, she's no longer a, a, a school teacher. No, no, no. She's an, an educational academician. Now, don't get me wrong. It is not my intention to go out and antagonize people, to offend people. But we went from a, a attempting a polite understanding, right? Um, perfect, classic example. Remember when we used to have Mr. and Mrs.'s, and then we came up with Ms.? And I always found that interesting because Ms. seemed to be less about uh, identification and more about um, bullying people. You know, it used to be if you walked up to a young lady and you said, Miss, um, and you'd ask a question, she might say, oh, it's Mrs. Oh, okay. And vice versa, right? You would see a, a woman, uh, maybe a middle-aged woman. And you would walk up and say, excuse me, Mrs. So-and-so. Sorry, it's Miss So-and-so. See, was it, you weren't offended by being identified as married or not married as a woman. You simply politely corrected the other person, who then, if they had any sense of morals and decency, would, you know, change the, would update the database in their head and said, oh, I'm sorry, and use the proper prefix. It was simple. It was a very same way of saying, excuse me, Mr. Up, sorry, that is Dr. So-and-so. Could be the same, right? Excuse me, Ms. I'm sorry, that is Dr. So-and-so. It was a polite way of, of correcting information, and it worked on both sides, right? The, the person uh, would, would make the correction, and the other person would update their information, and you could have a cordial conversation. With political correctness, that went out the window. See, that offense went from, hey, excuse me, your information is wrong. Let me inform you. And then if you continue to be an idiot, well, I just would avoid dealing with you. To the demand that you have no right to assume anything about me. How dare you do this? And it went from there almost, you know, it was, it was about one step short of just simply calling everyone comrade and being done with it. So now as we saw, again, and, and we, we were joking about this in the 80s and 90s, and I remember that. And then somewhere, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm thinking it's around 2000, my memory may be off, we went from the, the idea of, of simply, no, you, you, you're, you're wrong, to I not only have the right to disagree with you, I have the right to shut you up. I have the totalitarian authority to determine what you can and cannot say. Sometimes that existed on campus where you'd see, uh, you know, people who'd be shouted down for saying something wrong. And sometimes you'd see it in, in the media where people would be um, 
they'd have their quotes updated to be, quote unquote, politically correct. It's the general idea of, I have the right to control what you say because I find it offensive. Nowadays, well, it's gone to the, to the umpteenth degree. See, nowadays, we, have, we, we believe we have the right to not only tell you what you are and are not allowed to say, we have the right to have you censored if you disagree with us. We have the right to have, you know, to, to uh, um, call for you to lose your job or to call to, to boycott a, an entire company. I remember when, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, it was early in the 2000s. He was, a pre- he was the head of, at uh, Firefox, you know, the, the browser company. Mozilla, I'm sorry. Mozilla is a company. Firefox is the browser. And he got, he got pushed out of his own company because he had donated to a, uh, a, a I think it was a California campaign to keep uh, traditional mar- marriage as the legal definition of marriage. And for that, he was shoved out of his own company. That should have been a warning sign, but apparently it wasn't a warning enough. Because now we're living with the consequences of these actions, of entire generations being brought up believing they have the right to not hear anything they don't like, anything they can call offensive. And and, and often enough, it isn't even offensive for them. It's something they think someone else might be offended of. I remember when the Washington Redskins changed their name. They capitulated after after years of pressure. And we came to, then we came to light that the uh, many Native Americans, right, and many Indians, they were offended to lose their place as a mascot, as if um, recognizing the, the strength and history of a. Um, uh, of the Native American history was offensive to them. They weren't the ones offended. Seems more and more it was, you know, liberal white people that thought, oh, this would be offensive to them. By the way, the same people that get upset when uh, you when you drink uh, Corona and wear a sombrero on Cinco de Mayo, you know, maybe you have tacos for supper, they find that offensive. How about the fact that maybe I just like the culture? Maybe I just like the food. Yeah, I remember growing up in New York City, one of the greatest things was all the different foods you could try. I remember going there with my daughter when she was young. And the first night there, I said, we were ready for dinner. I said, well, she goes, I asked her, what do you want to eat? She goes, I don't know. I said, well, we'll do the New York buffet, which basically means you walk down the street to something smells good. You walk inside and you eat. I got exposed to so many different flavors and so many different cultures. And the best part of the America being the melting pot was I got to enjoy the best parts of all of them. Nowadays, you know, you, you can't, on, on Halloween, you can't wear a witch's costume because someone might be offended. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the legacy of political correctness and, 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 and its Marxist, its cultural Marxist roots. And as always seems to happen, government is there to step in and take control. Government is, is there, because remember, people who tend to be attracted to government are people who like to exercise power. Not all of them, but that tend, the, the people that are attracted to power 
often get attracted to government, which means they, get, they, they want to use it to exercise that power, to enforce their strictures about what is and is not to be allowed and what is and is not to be talked about. And, you know, oh, how dare, how dare you, you use that language or that terminology? Now, I want to make a distinction between political correctness, which is generally a politically driven uh, restriction on speech, and, and social mores. There was a time when there were words used to describe people that they did find offensive. And in general, over time, society moved from using those words regularly to not using those words. You know, it's kind of the same way we went from a society where, where most people smoked, or at least a large percentage of people smoked, to now a much smaller percentage of, spe of people smoked. The society changes, information was updated. The mores changed. But this was done by the consent of people as they grew up, as they, as they changed and learned. It was not enforced on them from the outside. Not, not, not as a, individually, yes, you might get a, a scolded look or you might lose a friend or two. But it wasn't government actors. It wasn't uh, pundits. It wasn't people who thought they knew better than everybody else the way things need to be enforcing it on you. That was the distinction. And now that I think about it, think of how many things that used to be established by societal consensus that now are mandated by governments. Governments say, we know this, you have to do this. I, I was doing a... Uh, I remember I was, doing a, a, I was reading about an article uh, where they, uh, I think it was Representative Massey was talking about um, mandates in vehicles. And it, it was always interesting because, again, when I was a kid, seatbelts were optional. Well, except in my family's car. In my family's car, we got in the car, lock up, buckle up, and shut up in that order. The first thing you did to get a car is you locked, your, you locked the door, you buckled your seatbelt, and you closed your mouth. So that was my parents' rule. That was the mores they were establishing in us. Literally to the point where if I get into a car and drive, other than driving down my driveway, to be in a car without a seatbelt on, I feel uncomfortable. It was the same thing with helmets when I was learning to ride a motorcycle. I remember my father telling me, you know, um, if I ever catch you riding this motorcycle without that helmet, getting into an accident will be the least of your worries. See, that was my father, society, enforcing and imprinting on me the importance of these safety tools. It's a lot different than when government comes along and says, you must wear a helmet, you must wear a seatbelt, we will fine you, we will coerce you. Because now people seem to be spending more time trying to figure out how to get out of following that law rather than recognizing the safety aspects of it. Now, I've got a bunch of examples of. Uh, this this political correctness run amok of the um, uh, of the cultural Marxism that now pervades so much of our societal discussions. But before I get there, I really do need to take a break. Uh, while I'm gone, consider this: as we approach the new year, I know a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. Personally, I don't. I'm not a resolution kind of guy, but I know a lot of people who do. My question is, when was the last time you read the Constitution? How about you resolve to read the Constitution this year? 
or maybe more, maybe three, four, five, six times this year. And you can find it for free online, and I'd be happy if you do that. If you want to go deeper, though, I have a couple of resources. You can go to the constitutionstudy.com slash shop. My books are still 20% off till the end of the year. You can try read the Constitution in 30 days. Not because it's that long. It's a daily devotional to make it easier to read it in bite-sized chunks. Maybe you want to get deeper. Go to, to the read the, the, the Constitution study itself. My in-depth study, clause-by-clause -clause study of the entire Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, written in plain, simple English. Again, they're 20% off to the end of the year. If you're interested, if it's something you'd like to do, well, give it a try. But whether you buy my books or not, please, read, pledge to yourself, resolve for yourself, or just decide you're going to do it. Read the Constitution at least once this year. Now, the other thing I want you to consider is, well, are you concerned about the spike protein? See, the shedding of the protein from the vaccines and the long COVID, there's evidence they're real. And, and a lot of people are nervous, they're concerned, and they're wondering what to do. Well, the people at the wellness company have a product that's designed to uh, help block and dissolve those spike proteins. It's called spike support. Now, you can find out more at uh, americaoutloud.shop. But remember, this is made in the USA, backed by documented research and vetted by the medical board of the wellness company. And, and since you're an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off of products and your first month membership if you use the code OUTLOUD. Again, find out more details at americaoutloud.shop. But please use that code with the wellness company. Let's then know that you listen to America Out Loud and as a thank you, you get 25% off your products and the first month of your membership. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. 
I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back, Everyday Americans, to rejoin the Constitution Study. Today, we're taking a look at the, the legacy of political correctness. And what the interesting thing about political correctness is it, it really divides into, um, I guess, good guys and bad guys. Certain things, horrible things can be done in the name of the right people without any problem in their mind, while anything done for the wrong people are considered, well, terrible and evil. So I want to, there's a video going around that uh, looks at, at some pro-Hamas protesters outside of the Israel, Israel, Israeli embassy and what they were doing to people who were leaving the embassy's uh, Hanukkah ceremony in Washington, D.C. You are killers! If you fire! If you fire! So here's the situation, right? This is Washington, D.C., outside the Israeli embassy. You have a car, you have a, a gentleman in this case walking down the street. You have a car being driven by, um, I can't quite tell, maybe a middle-aged woman who is the one you hear shouting. And, and there's a man with the Palestinian flag out the sunroof, waving it back and forth as she's screaming, uh, occupiers, occupiers, we will kill you, occupiers. Um, now, okay, maybe you don't like Israel. Um, that's fine. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't, you're entitled to your own opinion. But I want you to think back to the discussion with Elise Stefanik and the three pres the presidents of three universities. See, according to Ms. Stefanik, that's hate speech and should be sanctioned. Now, I, I agree. Saying we will kill you um, is not really a nice thing to say. But, you know, what's interesting is I'm not hearing people having conniption fits over um, what appeared to be not terribly well veiled threats. Now, granted, she, the, the, this is where I try to be objective to it as possible. This is not, uh, in in my understanding, an, an immediate threat to this person's life. This is about the war in Israel and um, the belief that the Palestinians will kill them. Um, again, there's a lot that can be thought here, but consider the reaction to this. Um, particular tirade. And as I understand, this wasn't the only person there. This was the only person harassed. Um, I'm sure he was offended by being referred to as a killer and an occupier, um, especially since, well, Israelis bought much of the land in what was once called Palestine. And uh, the rest they won in defeating their enemies when they were attacked by them. But uh, you know, obviously, the the idea of cultural Marxism and political correctness are certainly one sided. 
Because if the idea is, listen, you shouldn't say something that offends people, then um, that seemed offensive. Um, and, but again, this gentleman just walked away. And other than possibly disturbing the peace, I don't see anything this person did that should be charged. But this, this offense industrial complex, this idea of we have a list of things that we're going to find offensive, well, they, have, they do have their proponents. And um, uh, to compare Israel as, as occupiers and killers to what was done to them on October 7th certainly shows, well, either a, a, an extreme bias or maybe just a lack of objective information. But again, they're not the only ones. The Southern Poverty Law Center, which was an organization created for the purpose of protecting the civil rights of black people, especially in the South, has really devolved into a cultural Marxist um, destructive tool. Take, for example, a recent statement by R.G. Kravins. He's a, a senior research analyst at the SPLC's Intelligence Project where he said, the controversy over trans healthcare is manufactured to reinforce both white supremacy and the political goals of the Christian right. Okay, you're entitled to your own opinion. But I want you to notice something. It's not a, it, there's not a point where it says they're wrong. They said the whole purpose is to reinforce white supremacy. And I don't know about you, but now granted, I don't follow this topic because I, I think the the trans the, the trans people have a a mental issue that should be dealt with and i i do feel for them because rather than getting the help they really need they're being used as a political pawn but isn't a significant percentage of them white so if you're saying they're being attacked to reinforce white supremacy that kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense but then again cultural marxism and political correctness does not need to make sense because it's all about the rhetoric. It's all about the political pressure. It's why I tell people, listen, if all they can do is call you names, they don't have an argument. If the only thing they can bring is, well, it's, a, it's the patriarchy, it's, it's white supremacy, it's, it's a political... If all they have is name calling, they've got no evidence, they've got no argument. They are, they are the, the equivalent of the child throwing a temper tantrum in the grocery store for not getting the sugary cereal they want. But do you see how the cultural Marxism and political correctness have gone crazy? See, now, if you question what, what, they, ref, what they refer to as trans health, right? They're making up the terms. Trans health care, um, the, the amputation of perfectly healthy body parts for no medical reason is now considered health care. If you question that, well, all you're automatically labeled as a, a white supremacist by this racist organization. Yes, the SPLC, blatantly racist. Just look at the output. of This line alone shows that they're racist. The whole idea of if you disagree with us, that's white supremacy. <laughs> yeah, all right. You're just, it, it, you might as well just wear a, a, you know, you identify yourself as the the. Southern Racist Law Center, because it would be a bit more accurate description. You're not worried about the poor. You're worried about, well, race. You All you care about is race. And everything turns into race. 
That would be bad enough if it was just the SPLC spouting this garbage. But according to uh, uh, records obtained by a bunch of Republicans in Congress, um, the Biden administration has hosted both staff and leadership from the Southern Poverty, the Southern Racist Law Center, at least 11 times, specifically to talk about the Department of Education um, and the, the using SPLC data to demonize concerned parents. You see, the SPLC has a, a history of branding anybody they disagree with as a hate group. They have these little hate maps, and uh, uh, you know they, they take someone like a, um, oh, I don't know, uh, uh, the, the Family Research uh, Council. Uh, they get targeted on the, the, the hate map, um, which actually may have led to the 2012 um, shooting, mass shooting, mass murder at the um, FRC's uh, Washington, D.C. offices. But the question is, is the Department of Education using that data to identify parents as um, part of a hate group? Um, or other labels so that we don't, you know, anti-government groups or other labels to, well, simply dismiss their concerns. It also brings into the question, uh, did the FBI use the SPLC's uh, quote-unquote hate map to target Roman Catholic, traditional Roman Catholics as potential domestic violent extremists because the SPLC claims, well, they're hateful, uh, racist, white supremacists. You see how um, in the cultural Marxist world, under political correctness, certain things cannot be said because they disagree with the political part of the political correctness, but others are free reign. You believe in the traditional family. Oh, you're part of the hate groups. You, you believe in, in the uh, traditional Roman Catholic Latin mass. Oh, you're a potential domestic violent extremist. Oh, you believe in you know cutting off kids' body parts because of a, a, of a feeling they have. Well, you're protected. Anybody who disagrees with that, you're just a white supremacist. You see how these are used to manipulate the language because people don't like being called names. People don't like being called racist. They don't being like, like being labeled as hate groups. So many people simply keep their mouths shut. They self-censor. It's, um, it's a way of moving the burden of censorship off of the government and onto the people by the government policies. And when government becomes the enforcer of uh, political correctness, of this cultural Marxism, well, then you've got a real dangerous situation. I've been talking about the Roman Catholics. You remember when the FBI uh, said, uh, you know, we, we, they were, we were, it was found the FBI was targeting traditional Roman Catholics as uh, potential domestic violent extremists. And in front of Congress, FBI Director Christopher Wray said this was a single product by a single field office. Yeah, well, Judicial Watch did some research, and they've taken over 100 pages, of, or almost 100 pages of FDA documents, and said, uh, no, actually, this product was reviewed by the Office of General Counsel and the Chief Deputy Counsel, according to Judicial Watch. 
meaning it was reviewed by upper echelons of the FBI. The report also indicates that there were at least two other FBI offices involved, Portland and Milwaukee. Another example of cultural Marxism, political correctness. Um, the Marxists of Roman Catholics are bad. Whether they, whether you think they're bad because you think they might hold the Pope above the president, not the question. The idea is they're a religious organization. They are bad. They are politically incorrect. Therefore, we can demonize them. While you're protecting one group, you're 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 suppressing another group. And it's not a single couple in a car yelling at people on the street. It's the FBI. It's the FBI which has assumed not just law enforcement powers, but intelligence gathering powers. It's, the, it's not simply the ideas of a racist organization called the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Southern Racist Law Center. These are being brought into government to manipulate the way government sees things, manipulate the way government handles things. This is cultural Marxism getting power, not simply the influence of being loud and being obnoxious, but of law enforcement. And I don't know about you, but that should concern us. That should concern us all. You see, if infringement of freedom of speech moves simply from the, the actions of people exercising their own freedom of speech to government regulating speech, for government de determining what is politically allowable and politically not allowed, we're not a republic anymore. We're not free anymore. We are Marxist. We have a we have Marxists in government. I know I sound like uh, uh, was it McCarthyism, except actually it was found out that McCarthy was more right than most people realized. So we're taking Marxist ideas, Marxist ideas about race, Marxist ideas about sex, Marxist ideas about um, religion, and we're bringing them into government and having government enforce those ideas enforce now you, you yes you've got the fbi trying to get social media to suppress ideas that the government doesn't like we also have government attacking groups that they dislike by the way at the same time leaving alone the antifas and the blms of this country when they commit arson and assault and vandalism they are pretty much left alone you question the validity of an election. If the Democrats win, you go to jail. Oh, if it's a Democrat making the the the, uh, the accusation, you're lifted up as a as a freedom fighter. But if you challenge an election where a Democrat won, watch out, they're coming out for you. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the legacy of allowing the infection, the poison of political correctness to grow, to metastasize, to eat away at the substance of what made America the greatest nation in the world, of what made the American people the freest, most prosperous nation in the world, 
what made us the land of the free is being eaten away by the cancer of cultural Marxism, political correctness, cancel culture, put whatever label you want on it. Our liberty is being eaten away. And too many people are pounding the keyboards going, this is awful, we must do something. Somebody should do something. Well, nobody does anything. As I head off to break, consider this. If all you do is expect somebody else to protect your rights, you're enslaved to their actions. It's all up to them. It's time we, the people, took responsibility for our own liberty, started protecting our own rights against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Then, no matter what they do to us, we'll still be free. Before this break, please, I want you to check out americaoutloud.news. In fact, go there every day for news and information. But I want you to do more. I want you to take those stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, the things that talk about our freedom and our liberty and that you find important and share them. I don't care how far, I don't care how wide, I don't care how big your following is on social media. I don't care if you just send it to friends and family, but share it. It is the act of sharing this information that will help secure the blessings of liberty for all of us. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Spike proteins help viruses enter into your cells disrupting your health and your well-being. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body of spike proteins, which allows your body to repair from within, supporting your immune and respiratory systems and regulating your inflammatory response. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, 
Code out loud for 25% off. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study today. We're talking about the legacy of political correctness, cultural Marxism, the idea that there are people that have the moral, legal, or legitimate authority to determine what can and cannot be said, to determine who decides what is true, effectively. We talked about going all the way back to the, the World War I and, and the origins of uh, many of the early days, I should say, of Marxism. Uh, we saw it growing through the schools. We've seen how it has been used. In the past, we talked about how it was used um, in, in an, allegedly an attempt to avoid offense and how it's now being used to actually manipulate people by controlling a narrative, by allowing certain terms to be used by certain groups, but not other groups. And as I warned you, when it gets into the government's hands, that's when it gets really dangerous. So now we have the, the CDC, and in one of their latest announcements, um, they say uh, uh, COVID-19 hospitalizations are rising quickly. And of course, that, that sounds, oh my God, that's scary. Um, of course, it is uh, cold and flu season. So a, a, a uh, virus, a coronavirus, would tend to spread more quickly this time of year is the you know you're indoors the air gets drier um you're more likely to touch your nose and face and all the things that um generally to well, what we used to call cold and flu season but what's interesting to me is well I actually went and looked at looked at the the covid the, the CDC's data to see what they consider to be a surge and of course if you look at the data just right it does seem to be pretty free because like the week of November 4th, there were roughly 15,000 uh, hospital admissions. The week of December 9th, there were 23,000 hospital admissions. That, boy, that sounds like quite a surge. But again, let's put it into context. Because the, uh, the week of September 9th, there were 20,000. So we went from a uh, 20,000, we went through a low, and then we've come back up. In other words, if we... If we regress to the mean, well, that's not as huge a surge. Of course, before that, there was a lull during the summer. Well, let's take a look at somewhere around this time last year. So December 10th, 2022, there were 34,900. It was almost 35,000. So I guess this surge is relative. It's really relative to how badly we want to scare the American people. How badly? Because remember, the CDC's already announced they're concerned that they're, they're considering a public health warning because there's not enough vaccination. Now, to roll this uh, uh, political correctness narrative in here, what we're seeing is we're seeing another government agency that is determining what is and isn't allowed to be said, right? Because if you challenge that there's a surge in COVID-19, well, you are challenging the consensus of science, and, and, and you're obviously a science denier. No, we're looking at data. But you see, the cultural Marxists want the government narrative to be the only true narrative. And they really get upset at people like me when we actually um, break up the, the government narrative with, oh, I don't know, the government's own data. I know it's really bad when I do that, but then again, 
I really don't care that they think it's bad. Because I'm here trying to find the truth. But you see, there's even more to this. I picked the CDC as just one example. Have you heard of the site NewsGuard? You hear it on reports like, well, NewsGuard reports this is true. And NewsGuard is a for-profit company. It's a private company to make money. And what they do is they score websites based on, quote-unquote, trust. You can trust this website. You, you can't trust. You can trust this article. You can't trust this article. There's just one itsy bitsy ginormous problem. It appears New Guard works very closely with government agencies, as well as many corporate advertisers, to um, decide what news is going to be trustworthy and what news is not. And NewsGuard has learned they can use this information. They can use this, their, their misinformation, to manipulate others. Tape, for example, uh, was it the, the Daily Skeptic? It's a libertarian leading British website. Um, and they actually reached out to NewsGuard for two years to see if they could improve their 74.5% rating on NewsGuard. We see NewsGuard took issue with the website's criticism of lockdowns. They, 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 not that they, their data was in, they, they said that, that lockdowns were necessary. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the website said that lockdowns were unnecessary, ineffective, and harmful. And NewsGuard didn't like that. And in fact, the editor of, of The Daily Skeptic even went so far as to add postscripts to his articles, pointing out issues that, well, certain fact checkers had, had, had raised and, and providing additional information. Now, for this data, he was rewarded by being downgraded by NewsGuard to 37.5% on their scale. Now, what did NewsGuard want in order to raise the rating of this particular website? Well, just retract the stuff we don't like. Just retract the stuff we don't like. Now listen, NewsGuard's a private company. They can rate company, they can rate websites however they like. Makes me wonder though, um, how many people are trusting NewsGuard to guard them from fake news that may actually be true, but politically incorrect. Here's another example. Uh, uh, there was an email to, um, uh, a, I'm sorry, from a, a a French conglomerate, a marketing agency. Uh, Pulisius Gropa. I'm sorry I mispronounced that. And, um, well, they touted the fact that um, NewsGuard can use their rating system of websites to uh, cut off revenue to fake news sites. Meaning, if there are sites that NewsGuard doesn't like or says things NewsGuard doesn't like, well, then they can use the advertiser connections to choke off their funding. Probably the worst, though, is um, the fact that NewsGuard has, been, has infiltrated the government. Remember those Twitter files, right? Some of those documents show that the founders of NewGuard, NewsGuard uh, were pitching potential clients that uh, it was a tool to do content moderation on an industrial scale, using things like artificial intelligence to take down certain forms of speech. Apparently, this note, the proposal noted that the service is already used by intelligence and national security officials, reputation management providers, 
and government agencies. Which makes me wonder if the uh, uh, the Twitter files, FBI, where FBI was getting a list of um, sites, uh, articles to be uh, deplatformed or demonetized. I wonder how many of them came from NewsGuard. Now again, NewsGuard is free to rate websites however they please. Although government is prohibited from using that or any other information to infringe on the freedom of the press those uh, websites represent. But it also shows to me how important it is to vet your news sources. Just because NewsGuard says we're there to, to uh, uh, hide fake news doesn't mean that's their actual, what they're actually doing. See, there's what you say and what you do. And I am much more interested in what people do than what they say. Sometimes, well, that gets people confused, but I confuse people all the time. I'm not so worried about that. It's one of the reasons why I, I, I tell people I go through about 600 to 650 news items a day. I look through the headlines looking for content I might find interesting, uh, either for this radio program or for the website or for something else. And uh, pretty much any time I see a fact check, I ignore it because fact checkers have lied to me for so long. I don't even, I assume every fact checker is lying to me. Pretty much the same thing whenever I see something created by NewsGuard. I assume NewsGuard is lying to me because what NewsGuard is doing is taking this cultural Marxism this political correctness and using it to determine what you should and should not be allowed to see, or at least make it easier or harder to see. And again, this sometimes impacts me personally, not so much NewsGuard, but I've been talking to a couple people lately who've mentioned it's rather hard for them to find the content for my website, my Constitution Study content on YouTube. See, every week I put out an article and video uh, about some topic, and I publish it on Rumble, and I publish it on uh, YouTube. Uh, sometimes I'll publish uh, I'll publish links on a bunch of social media, but I usually put the videos on those two platforms because they're they're the big video hosting platforms. And what's interesting is uh, people can find me on Rumble, but apparently when they search for the Constitution Study on YouTube they have a pretty hard time finding my videos. Which makes me wonder, are we dealing with simply more political correctness? With the, the idea of we have the... Again, YouTube's a private company. They have every right to decide what, uh, what content they do and do not want to host. Doesn't mean I have to like them. Doesn't mean I have to do business with them. We have a, we have a business relationship, right? I post content on YouTube for people to look at. They take that information and they use it to sell to advertise to sell advertising. It's a business relationship, nothing more. Uh, I don't get any of that advertising dollars, by the way, but they use it to that. That's the cost of me free, freely hosting my videos is that they make advertising revenue. But more and more, we're seeing we saw we've seen governments do this. And more and more, we're seeing people do this. We're seeing people demand certain forms, the, the demand that we allow um, men in women's locker rooms or we're white supremacists. Saying it's, it's politically incorrect to point out that um, 
transgenderism is a mental disorder, not a physical one. That, uh, you know, the, the uh, how many, well, there was a letter from a bunch of, of interns at the White House that were all upset that Joe Biden, um, in my opinion, rather tepidly decided to uh, uh, support Israel, very tepidly, saying, yeah, they have a right to defend themselves. Um, of course, now it's more back to, uh, you know, I always find it, they're always talking about to point out to Israel about a ceasefire. They never seem to be complaining about Palestinians, the Gaza Strip, I should say. Um, they're telling them to uh, stand up for a ceasefire. I almost never hear that. This is the legacy of political correctness, this belief that I have a right to not be offended, that I have a right to not be exposed to information I don't like, that I have the right to do whatever I want, and if you disagree with me, well, you're obviously the uh, racist, white supremacist, Nazi, who uh, doesn't believe in freedom of speech while you deny me my freedom of speech. It's the legacy of decades of this narcissistic idea that I get to decide. Because if you think about it, it's not even the fact that I get to decide. Because it's, it's rarely the individual. It's the group. It's some political group that gets to decide what is and isn't okay. For example, uh, was it AOC made a statement at one point that uh, tr the transgender population is less than 1% of the overall population. She was complaining that uh, people seem to be out to get them. I keep pointing out that they seem to be telling the rest of the world, we must agree with them, we must allow them, we must promote them, or we must be punished. This is cultural Marxism and political correctness. Now, what do we do about this? I guess that's the big the thing I want to leave is, what do we do about this? Well, you start by just saying, no, I won't comply. I won't comply to the bullying and intimidation. Um, if a man claims to be a woman to go into the ladies' room, he's a man. I don't care that he, he wants to be called a woman. He is a man. Maybe it offends you. Too bad. But I don't give up my right to freedom of speech simply because you are confused about your gender. Uh, I, I am not a Roman Catholic. I am a Christian, but I'm not a Roman Catholic. But no, I, I, I will not stand by while they are targeted and attacked. I will say the uncomfortable thing. I will point out the uncomfortable truth. Or maybe I should call them inconvenient facts and inconvenient truths. But I will do so. I will not censor myself simply because someone says so. And again, if you're dealing with a private platform, they have the right to determine what is and isn't on that platform. That's their, that's their right. Just as you go into a private business, they have the right to say, you know, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Same scenario. But in public, no, I decide. And if you're upset by that, if that offends you, feel free to go somewhere else. I have just as you know, we it's always funny how we never think of the offense on the other side. Everyone's worried about the offense of uh, the, the, the man walking into the ladies' locker room. The if he might feel offended if he's told not to. No one can is worried about the young ladies in that locker room that are offended by seeing a guy walking around naked. So that's the thing about political correctness. 
It's never the correctness as defined by the majority. It almost always, almost always, is the offense decided by the politically connected minority, often tiny minority. It's the mouse that roared. You have a small percent of the people that are telling everybody else how they have to live, what they must do. And that only works while the majority goes along with it. Now, sure, people are going to be upset. They're going to call you names. They're going to try to stand your ground. Don't fire unless fired upon. But, but protect your rights. So that's what I mean. We need to stop waiting for someone else to protect our rights. It's okay if they do. We just need to stop waiting for them. We need to do it ourselves. If you wish to be free, you need to protect your rights. And yeah, there'll be consequences. Some people will not be happy with it. But here's the thing. No matter what they do to you, they can incarcerate your body. But if they cannot incarcerate your mind, you are still free. And I hope that freedom will lead you to join us here for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. All the episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio, so listen to them on your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Leave the episode's ratings and reviews, especially on Apple. Helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But as always, please share them. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how we share the blessings of liberty.